Our scripture reading this afternoon is, first of all, from the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is one of the wisdom books, those five books, the center of the Old Testament, the Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Songs. For a time in church history, through uh, the late Middle Ages, it was the favorite book of the church. And it was read very frequently. It was taken completely symbolically so that the, the man in Song of Songs is, is Christ and the woman in Song of Songs is the church. And so it would, it would be preached on in that way, totally allegorical, and it was much loved, read, and preached on. That doesn't happen so much anymore. <laughs> Partly because there's, there's just, yeah, it's a small book and it's not as, yeah, it's part of God's word, but it's not as commonly preached on. And so the, the understanding is that it is, in fact, not an allegory. It actually speaks about the love relationship between a man and a woman, which is also a beautiful thing, but is not expressed uh, as often. So... We will, we will read from Song of Songs, chapter 2. Uh, first of all, and then from Matthew 5, where Jesus speaks in relation to the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. So first of all, Song of Songs, chapter 2, begins with a reference that we do understand as referring to Christ. There are connections. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. Like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the young women. She is like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Zion, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires or until it's time. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle, a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The frig fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. My dove is in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. 
Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. And then from Matthew 5, the verses 27 through 30, where Jesus is speaking, Sermon on the Mount, in relation to the commands, and it says in Matthew 5, verse 27, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So we will reflect on those words from the Song of Songs and from the words of Jesus. People of God, called to be holy and pure. Saints, called to be saints. The Bible speaks about all aspects of life. And so it also speaks in terms of the seventh commandment, in terms of human relation, male and female, sexuality. When we hear the command, we need to realize that what it's really doing is protecting God's good created order of things. The command is a warning against anything that might harm a true, loving marriage relationship. That's, that's the heart behind the command. And it ties back even to the command, honor your father and mother, the sense of, of family, the sense of home, continues to be protected here as ordained by God. So then, in a world that we live in that boasts of uh, sexual freedom and idolizes sexuality outside of marriage, then we are given permission by God to give his gift of sexuality, to accept it and to let it be the blessing he intended it to be in lives in marriage. That's the goal, the permission that we need to hear and to take heart because it, it frees us from all of the sex-saturated things in our culture that, that we see around and hear and tend to undermine that truth of God. So this e afternoon, too, we want to reaffirm God's plan for us and make that, again, clearly the center of our lives and to be blessed as also God wants us to be blessed. So as we look at this, as we reflect on this, just to recognize, first of all, the, the biblical account in this area, uh, Jesus uh, lived in a social time that, that had also a sexually permissive society. There were 
things going on in the society where Jesus was living that were not at all good. The Bible itself records through its history all kinds of things where, where just the human sexual inclination has completely gone wrong. You just think back in the Old Testament, yeah, Abraham comes to the promised land and there is Sodom and Gomorrah. Things were not right. Things were not good. You look further at the story of Joseph and, and his sons and then Judah gets, gets caught up with, with Tamar and it's, it's somewhat prostitution, somewhat incest kind of a story. If you remember uh, Pastor Rick Van Manen, when he was here, he preached on that story. Everybody thought, whoa, don't preach on that one too often. But it's, it's a sign, too, that the, the world fallen into sin in this area of human sexuality. You have the references to prostitution, for example, Rahab in Joshua 2. You have the stories of, of the, the heathen nations who had temples where sexual acts were part of the worship. And you wonder, too, that... That was just totally outside of God's will. And then even in the lives of God's people, King David, the example of, of sexual sin, the, the Hebrew society with the influence of the surrounding nations, was, it was always a difficult struggle. And the Bible speaks about that reality. Roman society, where Jesus is, uh, lives, uh, born under Roman rule, uh, was also very sexual, very permissive. And in Jesus' ministry, he comes. And it says about him, he spoke to prostitutes and sinners and, and people with all kinds of struggles also in this area. Also, as you read through the letters to the New Testament churches, it lists various sins, uh, theft, uh, murder, and then it always adds to aspects of sexuality gone wrong. Now, the, the overall reason for that is because God made human beings as sexual beings. So it's, it's not beyond understanding. When God made us male and female, then that actuality of, of being sexual beings is, is part of the human race. So then when, when that gets distorted, that takes place all through human history. And so what, what we think sometimes too is, yeah, it's worse now. Well, no, it's, it's different now, but it was bad then, and there are still struggles now. So for, for example, to, to think about the areas too where in, in our culture where it, it has taken a, quite a central place just in terms of some of the media things, the music, if you listen to music, if you listen to, to general radio stations, the modern songs, the, the lyrics very suggestive very often. And then Along with the lyrics, there's the video, right? The music video. And that, that tends to highlight the sexuality of things. And, and so that's a constant, constant, yeah, people listening, hearing this, just on the radio, in the car, wherever. 
and it, it has an influence, right? So the response would be, well, be careful. Listen to different music. When you listen to a Christian station, like, like Shine FM, it says, safe and fun for the whole family, right? If you listen to that, it's safe. And, and you don't maybe realize it right away, but, but general, the music industry, the suggestions, the images, the words, the songs, not very nice thoughts and things expressed in there. So that's one way in our society that it, it affects. We have, of course, the, uh, the, the media industry, TV, movies, video games, and that sense, too, along with all of the, the media that we have, wasn't ever there before in terms of, of history, but that's one area, too, where, where we are confronted with that reality all the time. And you have to, even watching TV, and you think, why, what, what is this? What? And it, it can be a comedy, and, and all of a sudden it's very sexual, and it can be, yeah, all kinds of things... And so to be on guard, to be guided by our faith, to be able to take control of those things and to set the proper standards and boundaries in our society too. In Matthew 5, when Jesus talks very strongly about the, the reality of sexual sin, and he says too in verse 29, uh, your right eye, uh, your right hand, uh, cut it out. So the picture is too, to, to cut those things out of our lives, to protect ourselves, to guard ourselves against that. And so that's what we seek to do. Now the constant pressure is there though, and it, it continues to work itself into uh, our culture, so much so that there is even the, the tendency of people identifying themselves sexually first. It's, it's becoming so pervasive that, that people will, will introduce themselves and then express their sexual orientation. And so, so totally is sexuality taken over who they are it's, it's actually quite frightening that they only see themselves in terms of a particular sexual orientation. And so you have the LGBT community, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community. And so that's, yeah, what, what is that? That's, that is the, the pressure of, of a sexualized society and understanding taking over. And this is how these people see themselves first and foremost. And that's, that's a very sad, actually, in terms of, of who God made us. We are, are so much more and so much as God's image bearers, in fact. And so that, that is just an example of, of how pervasive in our culture and a way that it's expressed. So that the word of God speaks a word into our culture is very appropriate and very necessary, and it empowers us to 
stand firmly where we are in our faith against that huge pressure of society to conform. So, so that listening to God, he gives us permission to embrace the safe expression of sexuality in the bonds of a committed relationship in marriage. And that's the truth of the Bible for us and for our society too. To continue to hold that forth, to demonstrate and declare that blessed plan of God. When we think about this whole area, we do come back to the fact God created us as sexual beings, male and female. And when he did that in Genesis 2, it's, it's a beautiful part of the creation. Uh, and then right away in Genesis 2, he brings that into the context of marriage. And so in Genesis 2.24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then it adds right away, they were naked and they were not ashamed. There is a, there is a sense of the rightness and the goodness and the loveliness of that union. And it has that, that echo of sexuality in that context that's what God designed. That's what God blesses. And so that is the center of, of that expression as God created it. And it's worked out also in the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs as it reflects back on that wonderful, loving, intimate relationship. And the Song of Songs goes on about that extensively as we read but just a few key things that it brings out. First of all, in verse 7, Song of Songs 2, verse 7, it says, Do not awaken love before its time. There is a sense of, of the time that is when you are married, when you are committed to your life partner. That sense of, of the time that God has ordained in the context of what God has created. And so that very specific place and time is where our sexuality gets expressed. And that's, that's that beautiful sense of, God, of God's creating out of Genesis chapter 2. Then the next in, Genesis, in Song of Songs 2 verse 16, it emphasizes commitment where uh, at that point the, the young lady says, my lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. And it's like a, a wedding ceremony with flowers, with lilies, and it has that sense of a vow. We're committed to each other. I am his, he is mine. That sense of we are united, we are one, one in the Lord. And so Song of Songs several times repeats that as well, that sense of God's design on how that intimacy of sexuality is expressed, a beautiful, committed love relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. Of course, this has been attacked and, and undermined by sin. And so, just to think about it, you can recognize sexuality has been taken 
out of marriage and that causes all kinds of hurt and pain. There's, there's no commitment. Sexuality can just be expressed anytime and you hear that in our society. It can, any place, fine. And, and that whole permissive sense and with anyone. So no commitment, anytime, any place, with anyone. This is the cultural setting we live in. That's the general sense of, okay, that's just how it goes. That's what creates much hurt, anger, mental and emotional turmoil, sadness and pain. So to hear the command again, to, to share that truth also in our world, that God comes into our sex-saturated culture and says, just step back, I love you, I give you permission to avoid all that, to set all that pressure aside, and to commit to one loving partner in marriage in a beautiful, faithful relationship with that person. What, what a wonderful word from God. Some specific concerns are mentioned in the command and in the catechism where it speaks about this uh, truth. The one uh, term that gets used is adultery, the sense of sexual misconduct among people who are married, and there, too, that adultery breaks that commitment. And so it, it, what it's doing, it's raising the, the area of sexuality above all other aspects of the marriage relationship. That somehow that is now the God that gets obeyed and sexual inclinations get obeyed instead of God getting obeyed. And so denies the, the full sense of what a marriage relationship is. All the communication, trust, working together, getting to know each other well, doing things together, faith together, everything else that's involved. A rich and full spiritual closeness, emotional oneness, helping, supporting, encouraging, listening. All of that gets thrown out. And sexuality becomes the one thing. And that's so destructive. When it says in the Bible that to become one in heart and mind, that's the wonderful gift God wants to keep clearly before us in marriage. And so, so the response too is be aware of the temptations, the struggles, and be strong in marriage. Take time for each other. Even go on one of these marriage enrichment things. We went, it was quite a few years ago, but it was nice. It was nice. You go and you go with your spouse and you just take some time and, and yeah, just to build Build on that strength in the Lord. Very, very nice. There is also the reality of avoiding temptation. Avoiding times, places, people, things that might tempt you. The Lord's Prayer is very clear on that. Lead me not into temptation. And that reality too. Stand firm in the faith. Trusting in God. Another term that is also uh, in this area, the term fornication means sexual activity among single people. And for single peop in our, people in our culture, there is tremendous pressure in this area. 
just to remain single is is very very yeah look look down upon in our culture and and a lot of a lot of sexual pressure there one of the things that the bible points out is too that it's okay to be a single person and sometimes us as church we haven't been as accepting of that and that's been a weakness in the church that just said oh just get married but to be single and to be accepted as someone who is fine before God and in themselves as a single person 1 Corinthians 7 highlights that blessing Paul himself speaks of it in terms of a great gift uh, I, I had it with my own sister who is a little older than me she's a single girl happy, content, fine and, and really I had to get over my thought was too she should be married what's, what's going on here? no she's fine active in the church busy in faith completely content serving the Lord so to have that reality too, as a church, just to affirm that and to be very supportive of that is also what we are looking at. There is in our culture quite strongly at this time the sense of single people just living together, either thinking to get married or not even. They're just living together. And that becomes a huge challenge in our culture, too. The most common excuse I hear from those uh, relationships is, oh, it saves on rent. So, wow, what a wonderful reason to, to partner up with somebody. That's, that's not really much to go on. So that, that reality, no commitment, relationship built, yeah, more on selfishness, and, and young men, young women, couples coming together in that way, a very shaky foundation uh, on which to base a relationship itself. And, and if the thought is, oh, we'll, we'll see how it goes and maybe get married, well, that's a very shaky start as well. And so that sandy foundation will crumble. It, it, it lacks the solid commitment. The commitment that says, you are worthy of my complete love and care and attention, no matter what. In God's love and in God's grace. The sense of, well, we're just trying this out, just leads to the fact that later on, if couples do marry and something does come up that one doesn't prefer, then again, it's just over. It's over, because we were just kind of doing this until it didn't work. Well, then eventually it won't work. And so that reality of, of God calling us into a totally committed, self-giving, self-sacrificial love relationship where the storms can be withstood, that's God's plan and God's gift. So to, again, take hold of that, to receive that, and for young people as well, single people, to be trusting in God and be blessed. Finally, the term lust comes up. 
when Jesus speaks about that in Matthew 5. And that can arise in all situations. It's, it's beyond, yeah, married and not married. It, it can enter in. It's a much more general term, and it can take many unusual forms and permutations. And Jesus looks at that and the reality of thoughts, looks, desires, and that it is a constant problem for married people, for unmarried people in society in general, and that overarching power of sin that, that can creep into all kinds of relationships and bring sadness and ruin and misery. Jesus uses strong language to, to speak against it, to fight against it because it is so destructive. And so only as we are aware of that, as we stand against it too, that, that we would remain pure in the truth of faith, following God's good and gracious plan for life and for our living it out together. God created us as sexual beings. He gave us marriage as the safe, committed place for expressing that blessing. And as we know that truth, as we hold to it in our mixed-up culture, we will be blessed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth that continues to speak into our culture and into our lives. We thank you for committed marriages. We thank you for husbands and wives who love one another. We thank you for the strength that that is as you hold people together, couples together in that truth and that you continue also to help in times when there are uncertainties and struggles. Lord, we recognize it's your will that we are seeking to do and to hold to and that you do bless in wonderful ways. Lord, we think too just of that reality of, of people who struggle in this area. We think too of uh, those who are single and who sometimes too feel that pressure even in the church more and more. We pray that we would be sensitive and encouraging to them. Lord, we think too that as we seek to witness just through our lives, seeking to live faithfully as, uh, as married and single before you, that we would be a witness in this world and that you would also continue to make your will known and that we could continue to stand against also, this, uh, this area that twists what you have made so good and pure. Help us. Help us to be strong in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.